Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Girl Men Watch Kid Shit. It's me, TJ, and I'm here with our first guest host, as Jordan is out, Garrett. Garrett, how's it going? It's so good to be with you again. It's rad, man. Life is good. It's It's been a while, and I, I will say that we did a couple What Stop Motion Animation films without you, and we, it felt wrong. We felt like we did you well, dirty. I'm, I hope it did because I, I I listened to those episodes and the whole time I just cursed y'all's name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in all fairness, um, uh, we, I'm gonna since Jordan's gone, I'm gonna place all the blame on everything that's possibly gone wrong. Um, Sweet, I'll do the same. Him. Great, <laughs> dope. Um, Garrett, if you could just real quick remind our listeners, because uh, this might be the first time that they're hearing your luxurious voice, remind them. Uh, about your podcast and yeah. Hey, okay. So, um, I'm Garrett. Uh, we do a podcast called the grave talk podcast with my co-host Mark and John. Basic. What we do is, uh, every other week we talk about a different horror film. We kind of run through the plot, give our thoughts on it, you know, kind of, uh, touch base with what's been going on during the week. Uh, next episode we got coming up is, um, we're dropping cocaine bear tonight. Cool. And then we're also doing Scream 6 uh, next week, double episode, too fast. So um, we do that. Um, I myself am a, a, I guess you could call me just a, uh, a grown-ass nerd. Uh, <laughs> love myself some uh, animation of all different kinds. I do a bunch of art in my spare time on my uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can follow that stuff. But uh, yeah, just uh, out here living the life. You know, it's your podcast is still the only way I consume a vast majority of horror films because I'm just like... I just get scared way too easy, so I just wait for y'all to drop an episode, and I, I consume it that way. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. Um, so yeah, th- this week we watched Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio on Netflix, and Garrett, I'm super interested to know about your history with Pinocchio as like an IP, because um, for me... Pinocchio was one of those, uh, you know, obviously the way I came to Pinocchio was through Disney. And it was always one of those movies. I was like, this is secretly terrifying. Um, and we watched the live action one. And I was like, there are parts of this that are, again, secretly terrifying. And it never, like, really vibed with me. But I know some people, like, love Pinocchio. Were you one of the people that loves Pinocchio? I actually, it's my, um, it's one of my favorite Disney properties. Really? Um, Yes, uh, of the of the old animated movies of the the classics, if you will, it is it's it stands in my top three. You're gonna have to walk me through why. Because oh yeah, no 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 problem. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. Uh, so my first introduction to Pinocchio was the uh, the book when I was a child, and um, it didn't really resonate with me a whole lot. It kind of you know was interesting, but didn't do a whole lot for me. And then I saw the uh, the Disney animated film, and it was just something so uniquely kind of magical and just absurd about the, the Pinocchio um, Disney movie that, that really kind of like hit me. It was just this very kind of like, you know, like it it seems based in reality, but then out of nowhere, it'll just drop these things like, you know, Monstro and, you know, Jiminy Cricket and then just, you know, the puppet, you know, I mean, so a lot of it was just like that. The creativity really hit me. Um, The songs bangers. 
I don't care what anybody says. The original <laughs> songs from the Disney flicks, um, those ones still stick with me. No strings, man. That's I still. That's hum the that only one, one I remember. Time. That's the only one I remember. Yeah, I remember the one that um, "When You Wish Upon a Star," but I mean, I got a soft spot for some of the slower Disney songs too. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that movie. And then the, um, I mean, I don't know if y'all have seen IMDb, but since it's a public IP, there is a billion Pinocchio movies out there. Really? Um, I yeah, I dabbled with a few, um, and and none of them really did much for me. I think I just had that like that soft spot for the Disney one. Then the live action one came out. And I think out of all the people that I know that watched it, I'm the only one who actually dug it. Man, um, I it's hated got that movie so bad. <laughs> it's, got, it's got major problems. But for the, the live-action Disney remakes, I didn't think they fell too far from the tree on it. And I kind of like the, the ambiguous ending. Yeah. 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 That, I would not I recommend would... it as one of the better live-action Disney flicks at all, but I, right. I did enjoy it. I just remember watching that movie at the beginning of it and being like, did Tom Hanks forget how to act? I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. He was just just like, so what, you just want me to talk? Okay, I can do that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, like the music, what is this? I'm just going to talk in rhythm and you're going to deal with it. Um, Yeah, I guess because the way I consumed a lot of Disney movies because I was the youngest and, you know, no one in my house wanted to watch those things. It was when it was Friday or Saturday night and I was allowed to stay up late, right? Um, And I'd make my little fort in the living room and I'd watch the movies. And so Pinocchio, I guess, because it is so, because Monstro is scary, because Pinocchio turning into a donkey is scary, you know? Um, I I guess when I'm staying up until 1 a.m. and I'm nine, that's not exactly the jam I want to like lean into that being said, I did just admit that I listened to horror films as opposed to watch. (laughs) Oh no, don't get me wrong. I mean, those, those concepts as a kid, they, they fucked me up. You know, I was very scared to go into pools for a while because of Monstro. Um, the idea of turning into a donkey because I was being bad. I I grew out of that one real quick, but that one did hit me a little bit right away. I was like, Oh man, I gotta be good. I don't want to get fucked over. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned the live action one because the live action one takes that scene where Pinocchio is about to turn into a donkey and like the, 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 the village of the, the bad boys or whatever it's called. That thing is straight up terrifying with those soot monsters Mm -hmm. abducting those children. I, I don't remember soot monsters being in the cartoon, but I also think I blocked out a lot of it besides uh, I got no strings. You know, if I, if I remember correctly, there was no soot monsters. I believe what it was is they were just picking them up and putting them in bags. So I think it was just like kind of like large child abduction, you know, shadowy villain of dudes. Yeah. So yeah. Child trafficking, which (laughs) classic Disney. Am I right? No (laughs) child trafficking. Yeah. But uh, in general though, how do you feel about puppets? I love puppets, but I know some people are like absolutely freaked out by puppets. I I have a I have a very I have a fondness for puppets. I love hand puppets, ventriloquist figures. I mean, uh, they're they're fascinating to me. Something so simple that can be uh, used to to emulate life in this just very uncanny valley kind of way. I mean, I really really enjoy them. Um, in horror movies, I have a little bit different take on them. I don't find them scary. So we see we did a puppet master recently, and I was like, eh, okay, you know these puppets got their thing going on, but I, I think they're very interesting. And but I think I think to your point though, a lot of people feel the way, like just like they don't do much for them. 
Yeah. Oh, it, it, I think it's funny that you bring up puppets and horror movies because I'm thinking of the one horror movie that, because puppets don't do much to me in horror movies either. I'm just like, punt the thing. Um, <laughs> but I I remember watching Tales from the Hood. Oh, yes. And those little dolls that become mm-hmm. like the puppets. That, here's the thing. My mom used to have three of those things sitting on a bench in front of the television. Oh, really? Of those exact dolls. And I remember being oh, like, man. Oh. I was like, fuck this. This is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Um, I was watching that movie with my sister, and we saw the little dolls. I think we hit them Oh, it's all funny games until your house mimics the horror film. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And so, you know, uh, it took me a while to get to the point where I don't mind ventriloquist dummies because of Goosebumps and uh, and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, those ventriloquist dummies, like Slappy, Fuck Slappy. Slappy fucked me up. when You know, coming home after school, watching television, seeing fucking Slappy on TV. Oh, Slappy was responsible for a lot of nightmares. Oh, but, you know, not not Pinocchio. Thank, <laughs> thank goodness. No. Although, <laughs> you know, I know what we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about it. This movie has 100% more fascism in it than I expected. Um <laughs> Yes, yes it does. <laughs> yes it does. But you know, it it doesn't it doesn't take it felt correct because of Guillermo del Toro's just general aesthetic and how he treats children. So, my next question is, what is your taking Pinocchio out of the running? What's your favorite your favorite Guillermo del Toro movie? Oh man, that's like what's your favorite band? There's uh there's so many good ones there. Um uh, you know, uh, are we counting? I guess you know, Cabinet Curios- Curiosities is more of a kind of like individual director's thing. So let's take that yeah. out of the mix. Um, you know, give me three seconds here, because I'm not remembering a ton of them off the top of my head. So I'm just pulling them up real fast. All right, okay. So I mean, you know, Hellboy was great. I yeah. think it did a great job with that. But really, if you want to talk Del Toro and 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 shout out to you for making me say Guillermo Del Toro so many times in this episode, which I'm gonna butcher horribly. Um, you know, yeah, you come on GMWK has to be tortured. There you go. <laughs> um, I do think that Pan's Labyrinth was probably his most um successful as far as encompassing like the the visual style and the feel of uh you know his directing and writing. I really enjoyed Antlers, and he was just a producer on that, but um, I really thought Antlers was a pretty good, you know, kind of more, you know, mainstream adaptation of his stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Pan's Labyrinth fan, too, and Hellboy. Um, I, I think it's interesting because d- didn't he do an animated film uh, about the Day of the Dead? Am I crazy? I don't know if he did. I'm trying to think here. He did a lot of producing. Like he did a ton of producing, but as far as directing stuff goes, let me see here real fast. Boop, boop, boop. And then there's that there's that Netflix children's series that I think he produces. Yes. Well, he did Crimson Peak. Um, you know, he also did oh, uh, Shape of Water. I would probably say is his most successful film. But I thought it. He, I remember watching Shape of Water and being like, "It's okay." I was you know? a little like weirded out by it because I was just like, "They're gonna fuck," and then sure enough, I was did. like, "Okay, here we go." Yeah, <laughs> but to I be was fair, like, I was watching this Pinocchio movie and I was like, "Oh, they're gonna shoot this puppet," and I was joking. <laughs> and sure enough, they shot that <laughs> fucking puppet, and I was like, "Anything goes at this point." 
you know, uh, when I when I first sat down to watch this movie, I was like, okay, I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna like I had my iPod ready, my iPad ready. I was gonna lay in bed and watch it. And within the first three minutes, when you see the warplanes flying over, I was like, I need to put this down and like actually be in the frame of mind <laughs> to watch this movie. Um, yeah, Shape of Water was one. Um, I remember watching that with uh, my ex's parents. And, you know, sex scenes in front of parents are awkward to begin with. Um, you, can, you can only go one of two ways. You can just quietly sit there and hope that no one says anything, or you can just lean into it and just say something really inappropriate. Well, you know, <laughs> luckily I didn't have to because my ex's mother just says, is she fucking a fish man? And I was like, yes. Yes, she is. You get it. Just fist bump it up. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but e- <laughs> every time I, I think of Shape of Water, that's literally all. I can't tell you who else is in that movie. All, and I, I remember sitting there enraptured in it. Uh, I can't tell you who else is in that movie. I just know that she has sex with the fish man. And I was like, yeah. that's basically the movie. Um I think That's a lot of people part. sleep on Pacific Rim also because he did that one. Oh, I forgot he did Pacific Rim. Now, Pacific Rim was the kaiju movie that my little anime dweeb heart wanted. Uh, and then Pacific Rim 2 happened, and I was like, stop making sequels. But the Pacific Rim anime that's on Netflix, if you haven't checked it out, is top tier fantastic oh i, I, I haven't I'll, I'll definitely check that out because i enjoyed pacific rim and when i saw the sequel announced i was like i'm gonna have to pass because i've learned through 40 years of my life is sometimes just avoid that thing that may ruin a perfectly good memory oh so, yeah yeah i forgot he did he's so good at creature design which him stepping into this type of animation is uh it made sense to me um because he is so good at creature design and spearheading that that team, I I should have looked this up before. I'm always curious if he if he is one of those people that has his his crew that he works with on designing these things. Right? He does um, have a fair overlap. He does have people he likes to work with. Um, I wouldn't say that it's like a. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say necessarily it's a. Um, who's the guy that did? Um, uh, life aquatic uh wes anderson type situation right. where he's got the same people every single time but i know he's got people he does kind of pull, take with him you know it's it's almost like uh and this might be controversial and i'm going to get you know canceled from the internet it's almost as if uh Gamal del toro is uh like tim burton except for his stuff actually ages well after 20 years um I said what I said. <laughs> uh, you did, and I, I would I would like to argue more, but I can't really argue. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you can look at a film and be like, yeah, this this makes sense. That is Guillermo del Toro, but he also he's also just really good at creating um, worlds. And you know, I uh, it, in 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 an attempt not to spoil uh, our trivia today, I didn't read too much into this, but I definitely sat around through the credits to be like, did he have a writing hand in this movie? And he did, and I was like, yeah, that makes complete sense that he had a writing hand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, Speaking of trivia, uh-oh. the temporary Kim has arrived. <laughs> oh, oh, hi Taylor. Hi Taylor. Hi. I was trying to sneak in. Fun fact for you, he didn't direct Pacific Rim 2, so that's probably why it was worse. <laughs> oh, That'll do didn't. it. No. Well, he, he just handed sucked. it off. He was like, here, take this. 
Yeah, I'm well, trying you to know, who it was. When you know you can make money off of someone else's back, <laughs> keep doing what you want to do. I don't blame him. Yeah, he handed it off to uh, Stephen DeKnight. Well, Stephen, we have a note for you. <laughs> you almost ruined it. <laughs> uh, great. Well, hey, we got with 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 Taylor here standing in for Kim. We got we got all sorts of funness, starting with Taylor's quiz a uh, trivia theme song. And here we go. That goes down smooth. Right? Yeah. Well, I thought I was going to keep looping for a second. And I was like, all right, we can live in this for a sec. <laughs> um, real quick, Garrett, you know that you are playing with Jordan's points for the season. So and his heart, if, always. <laughs> yeah. You, but you know that if at any point in time you want to bomb this, I'm totally okay with that. But, <laughs> um, and, you know, there's not much he can do. There's not much you can do. And I should say, listeners, that uh, Jordan, Kim, and and Baby are all doing great. They're doing fine. Um, and so I should throw that out there. But, Taylor. Yes. Are you ready to um, uh, stump us? I think it's going to be fair. Um, so, <laughs> starting off, it looks like y'all are pretty close in total points. Um Jordan slash guests is at 6,550 and TJ is at 6,933. Uh, okay. That is if our Excel formulas are working as intended. Um, okay. Um, I guess we'll just launch right in. So Garrett, you're going to be first. Uh, so this first question is going to be worth, let me double check. I believe 500. It feels a lot more important when those numbers are that high. I'm now, now I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you should be. All right. So, Pinocchio was initially written as a serialized story in magazines, which were then collected into a novel titled "The Adventures of Pinocchio." In what year was that novel published? 1883, 1903, or 1923? Oh man. Well, the year was 1903. I was a young lad and. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to say 1903, but that's a guess. Unfortunately, no, it was 1883. Oh. Uh, and it, the story actually started in 1881, and it wasn't until 1883 that it was collected. Okay. How much fascism was in those? No. <laughs> so, a surprising amount, actually. Um, I, whenever I looked it up, apparently, like, there was people, like, left and right who had, like, essays about, like, the fascism of Pinocchio and how it was, like, this warning... Oh wow! <laughs> <All right. laughs> we, we we started early with the fascism, apparently. Yeah, it was it was hard to shake once I started digging. Honestly, all right, TJ. Mm-hmm. In the Disney version, Pinocchio's clothes are based on the traditional fashion of Tyrol, a nation that has since been divided. Which of the following countries does not hold land that was once Tyrol? Austria, Italy, or Slovenia? 
this all sounds so fake. Um, <laughs> that okay. So which of these lands does? Which of these places does not hold land that used to be Tyrol? Correct. Uh, I'm gonna say Slovenia. That's correct. Oh, um, Tyrol was formed in the 12th century and remained whole until 1919, when it was divided into its two modern like properties at the end of World War Two or World War One. Excuse me. So Austria and Italy. Yeah, like the uh, the later Hosen was very Austrian. Tyrol sounds like it just sounds like some fantasy bullshit. It does. It's it's giving me Lannister vibes. I'm I'm thinking nineties hip hop artist. So <laughs> Ty, Tyrol, what would I be without you? Uh. <laughs> okay. So next questions are our everyday double your points opportunity where you have to place your bet before the question is read. Uh, if you have points, wager what you have. A true double everyday double your points opportunity will wager all of your points, and you'll earn 1,000 points for a correct answer. If you have no points, you can still answer for 500. Okay. How many points do I start out with? Uh, you're sitting at zero. So okay. un- unfortunately, you can just answer for okay, 500. Okay, all right. So it's based off this trivia. I don't have like a stockpile from previous. Yeah, no. I don't think you can reach back in time. Oh, thanks a lot, Jordan. I know, right? He's like, that's 6000 That's mine. I got the Airbnb, but he took the beds. <laughs> Hold up. Can you imagine? <laughs> you it's show up cot. and they're like, a cot and a note. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Gary, your next question is, Guillermo del Toro has worked with child actors in a number of his works. On the set of which of these titles did he give an actor special per- permission to call him Totoro? Pan's Labyrinth, Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia, or Pacific Rim? Oh, man. Um, you know what? Again, I'm going to have to guess, but based off the child actor, uh, I'm going to have to say Pacific Rim. It was Pacific Rim. Um the the actress who played young Mako had trouble saying Guillermo del Toro, so she called him Totoro-san. I, I get it. I, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And Troll Hunters is an animation. I was like, mm, look at you it trying is. to be sneaky. I figured. I haven't seen any of it. I figured there are kids in it. I, but, I didn't know that it was animated, um, but that's. I'm glad I didn't answer that. I would have looked really dumb. <laughs> Tro- Troll Hunters is actually kind of. Guillermo del Toro has another cartoon where there's like aliens or something like that, and this female alien hugs this like male human, and she's like, "That means that we're pregnant." And he's like, "What? We're going to have kids?" She's like, "Yeah, but in my race, the men carry the babies." And so through the rest of the series, oh, this shit. dude is just pregnant, and then eventually gives birth to like these four like alien human hybrid it's it's crazy the old switcheroo yeah hugs that's that's what causes babies everybody <laughs> just to warn the children who shouldn't be listening to us god damn it anyways <laughs> fair all right tj um so you have to to wager beforehand right yeah uh i'm gonna wager 250 
I hate going into the final one without any points, which I have done often. <laughs> okay. In 1997, Del Toro's father was kidnapped and held for ransom in their home country of Guadalajara. What? What? Was- <laughs> oh, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, just yeah. quick, quick fun fact. Um, I'm going to start over. <laughs> okay. Uh, in 1997, Del Toro's father was kidnapped and held for ransom in their home country of Guadalajara. When those responsible doubled the amount of their demanded money, which of his fellow filmmakers offered to help pay it? Steven Spielberg, James Cameron, or Quentin Tarantino? Oh, see, I think Quentin Tarantino would say, let's go fuck him up and film it. Um, uh, Steven Spielberg and James Cameron have more money than God. I resent that comment. <laughs> well, stop that was being my a big broke God voice. Yeah, <laughs> God, he's on me. Stop being a broke bitch, God. That's you know. Um, oh shit! I'm gonna say B. James Cameron. That's correct. Oh, it was James Cameron. Oh, wow. Um, James Cameron helped uh, pay the negotiator. They paid the ransom got his father back um but unfortunately neither of them were able to recover their money and they never caught the guys so del toro like uprooted his family and moved out of guadalajara yeah that'll do it so like they knew that del toro was a famous director and just like give us give us money yeah effectively well um and so oh, fascism I, they must have they must have thought he was like doing well so they're like okay like let's see how much more we can get <laughs> the fascism is real apparently <laughs> oh well taylor i just wanted to let you know that i will i promise to never do well enough to where anyone kidnaps you how about that that's love fantastic and i will offer to pay the ransom even though i can't <laughs> there we go just get him just get him killed <laughs> can we write can we write you a check it's post dated don't cash it till next year <laughs> right right it will it will have someone else's name on it i promise <laughs> it's going to be fine okay um so this last one is the the mavis question um is this in the final question? TJ, or? My understanding is that you both put it simultaneously in the sidebar, and then whoever's correct gets the points, correct? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. If it's a multiple-part question, we only get a portion of our answer, of our wager, but we have to wager points for this as well. Okay. So I've got 500. You know what? Let's play it safe. Is this the final question? Do we have more questions after this? This is the final this question. This is the final question. Then you know I'm risking it all. 500 Gosh. points. Yeah. Uh, oh, and it says, and if you answer incorrectly, then your wager is deducted from your final score. Oh shit! <laughs> okay. And how many points do I have? You currently are at a thousand, if I'm calculating this right. I think that's what I've got too, as far as what I counted for you. Because if you wagered 250, then it would have doubled, right? That's right. Okay. Then I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to, I'm also going to go all in. I'm going to push in all the chips. Well, okay. I'm trying to, look, I'm trying to grow this lead. Jordan being this close to me makes me nervous. 
Jordan, you messed up leaving me in charge of your points. <laughs> it's funny because I, when we were talking, I was like, Jordan, there's going to be two people who are going to do you right. There's going to be two people who are going to do you wrong. I don't know who those two people are. Just know it's probably going to be split down the middle. <laughs> All right. Y'all ready for the last one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. A recurring theme of Pinocchio's cameos in modern movie or in modern media is being separated from his home. In which title or titles is he depicted as a refugee that has been unwillingly forced from his home? There may be multiple acceptable answers. <laughs> That's exactly what I prefer. Uh, yeah, those are both correct. <laughs> oh, yeah, we both wrote Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> um, other acceptable answers would have been the Fables comic series, The Wolf Among Us, which is based on those, and Kingdom Hearts. Wolf Among Us is a video game. Oh, no, actually, it is a, a book series also. You're right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kicked uh, out of his home in Kingdom Hearts? Yeah. Um, he's a refugee in Traverse Town. Because his entire world has been destroyed. Man, Geppetto can't catch a break worth shit, no matter what story it is. <laughs> All right. So it looks like the final standing is TJ with 2,000 and Garrett with 1,000. So so what's our, what's our big total? I just want to hear the big number. I just want to feel good about myself. Oh, jeez, I didn't set up the, the thing. Hold up. Hold up. I believe Hold in up. you. All right, so we got Garrett slash Jordan with 7,550, and TJ with 8,933. I left uh, with something. I can be, I can be happy with that. You, you upped his points by 1,000, but that does mean I get to play the, the other – noob thing so last week garrett i went to go play my uh victory trivia music mm-hmm. and then realized that the program that we're in had deleted it and i don't know what computer it's on <laughs> so i had to so i had to find more and i'm happy to debut my new victory music just for just as for lo- as long as this is not a diss track on me i'm fine oh no it's it's <laughs> it's it's just it's just some 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 dope hip-hop that's all let's do it The second I heard that saxophone, I was like, "This is it. This is the. This is the vibe." <laughs> that's that's great victory music. How could you not just like gloat during that? Exactly. That's the point. I got Jordan some new victory music, but we'll see if Jordan hears that during any of these. Because I plan on sweeping the entire guest host circuit. That's my job. That's my goal. We'll see. All right, you're, you're going to treat it like a James Cameron bankroll. Yeah, you know, I'm go- you know what? I'm going to get so many points. I could auction I could give them to somebody if their parents ever get kidnapped. So <laughs> that's the plan. It's the honorable thing to do. It is. All right. You know what? This feels like a really good time for us to go get our drinks uh and then come back and talk about this fascist filmed uh filled uh Pinocchio. Uh so I'm gonna play this out and then We'll be back.
And we're back. Garrett, how was your trip to the fridge? Good. Put a little rum in this Red Bull and uh, actually fill the bowl. Put some cut up apples in it, the little rum at the bottom. Some of those soak. Ooh. It's a Friday night, man. You're doing it right. You de- <laughs> you're doing it right. Now, see, since I'm going over plot, uh, I have these two beers in the fridge that are 12%, and I thought about it. But I know myself, and about three-fourths of the way through this plot, I would just fall apart. So um, I decided to go with the last of, uh, and keep in mind, this felt sacred to me because I very rarely get to find this stuff up here in Pennsylvania, but I got a Shiner holiday, holiday cheer. Yes, I know it's March, but I found it and I was like, this feels like home. Um, so this is the last one though. And I figured, hey, you know what? My guess is in Texas. This This feels like a good connection. You know what? I like it. Yes, yes. So this uh, this thing that has been titled Gamel del Toro's P- Pinocchio for the most part uh, was released uh, in, on Netflix in December of last year. It had a budget of $35 million. Uh, I, and he first announced that he was going to do this back in like 2008, right? Um, and this cast is like, stacked we have ian mcgregor we have chris uh christopher uh christoph waltz i don't know why i can't say his name uh tilda swinton kate blanchett ron perlman it's like they went deep uh and it also kind of makes sense that you know tilda swinton is in this movie because it's weird as hell um but I I think the most fascinating thing about the way this film was released is that it was released at uh, a London film festival in October of that year. And then it went to select theaters on November 9th. And then a month later it came out on Netflix. But I guess the theaters that they released it in were so select because the box office of this is only $108,000. I, it had to be select because if I would have known this is the theater, I would have gone and seen it because I, you know, me stop motion animation. I'm going to go jam on that. But yeah, it must have, I don't know if it was in the U S man. Yeah. I don't, I don't know either. That's so little money for a Guillermo del Toro film, even if it was only out for like, you know, two weeks somewhere, you know? Um, but this also has, uh, uh, award nominations for best animated fe- uh, feature, and it won the the Golden Globe for best animated feature. Oh, fantastic! Uh, yeah, which actually makes Del Toro the first Latino to win a Golden Globe in the category. Oh, uh, sweet! Yeah, right. Uh, it's also the first time that anything from a streaming service has has won a Golden Globe. So that was a, that I, was a matter of time, though. That was definitely a ticking clock. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, honestly, I knew that Netflix had put itself on the map when they bought um, uh, Knives Out or whatever, and they said, "I was like, oh yeah, they're going for it. They're going for these awards now." Um, but uh, yeah, so let's just start. This film st- takes place during World War II in Italy, um, and the film open. I just want to say from the top, this is probably probably some of the smoothest stop motion animation I've seen ever. Um, and it, it was actually kind of, uh, it, it kind of broke my brain a little bit because there's a certain aesthetic 
that I associate with stop motion. And it made me wonder how much of this was, if any of it was CGI, because even some of the mouths, like the articulation of the mouths were just so good. Um, I don't know a, a ton of details on the, the, the ins and outs of this, but I do know that um, Pinocchio was very clearly 3D printed. You can just tell by the way some of the, the parts are layered and the way it's kind of carved and stuff. I wouldn't say all of them, but definitely parts of him, the, the face and stuff, looked very 3D printed. So I think with that, they were able to actually do more detailed. Um, you just print out a new face. You don't have to sculpt. You don't have to worry about moving and transition. You just replace the head. You just have 9,000 heads and just pop, pop, pop. And uh, kind of like they did with uh, Jack Skellington and uh, Nightmare. But with, man, those 3D printers, though, you can get like some crazy detailed stuff. So Yeah, yeah. I have, I have two 3D printers, a resin one and a PLA printer. And I'm, and mine is, you know, I paid like 300 bucks for it, you know, uh, and I'm still fascinated by the detail behind it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we start off in World War II with a little boy named Carlo who's swinging on a swing. And we're also getting this voiceover of, uh, uh, who plays Jimmy Cricket? Is uh, it, Ewan McGregor. That's Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah Ewan McGregor plays, uh, Jimmy Cricket. Uh, sorry, or Sebastian, Sebastian J. Cricket. Yeah, <laughs> again, like, the, the naming scheme in this did fuck me up a little bit, just because you know you got that Disney ingrained in you, and you're like, wait, who the hell are they talking about here? Yeah, yeah, and you, you know, and we we get this frame story. It's basically like uh, Carlo was is swinging on a swing, and it's the first sign that you know that things are kind of weird is that you see these four planes flying over, uh, and you see this uh, old man Geppetto who is this uh, woodworker in Italy, uh, and he loves his son, and Carlo's such a good boy, uh, and they go through town, and everyone's loving them, and they're like, oh, Geppetto is a fine, upstanding Italian citizen, and his son is great. Um, And, you know, Geppetto sings this super sweet song about how much his son is his son, and and then (laughs) then the movie let you sit in this happiness for a total of what five minutes 10 minutes maybe um and so geppetto and carlo are going down to the church to carve a giant uh crucifix in the church and they're working on it one night and there's this whole thing about carlo being like i found a pine cone this one's perfect uh and it's used as kind of like the rebirth um, subplot in it. You know, the pine cone's going to go into a tree, and there's like you got to make sure that you you find one that's got like the right you know scales and stuff. So I mean, it's kind of like it's the opening of our metaphor for this whole film. Yeah, that's right. The first image of the film is that pine cone. Um, but yeah, and so Geppetto, as they're working and they're trying to finish up this this whole uh, this crucifix, Geppetto hears planes going overhead. Um, and he's like, okay, we need to go, Carlo. Uh, and they're about to leave the church, and Carlo's like, oh, wait, my pine cone. And Geppetto's like, hurry up. Carlo goes in, and he grabs a pine cone, and he just staring, he just stares lovingly up at Jesus on the cross. And then the church gets bombed. And <laughs> this was the moment, I'll tell you, Garrett, this is the moment where I actually paused the movie. And I said, what the hell is this rated? Because. <laughs> I did that a little bit earlier when, because uh, again, unlike the Disney film, um, you know, to allude to what you were talking about, um, we do, because I, I have a note that says, do we really need this whole Carlo Geppetto backstory about his life in the town? But then 
as I was watching it, I was like, holy crap, I actually care about these characters because they belong to this place. He's not some outsider who just exists in this story. And so when when you see what happens to Carlo, which is narrated by Sebastian Cricket of, you know, the planes dropped their bombs and eh, they didn't even need to. They just did it because they wanted to lighten the load. You're like, wait a minute, hold the fuck up. Like, I also right. did a double take and looked up like what this was rated because I was like, <laughs> this is going to get dark. <laughs> and when I tell you, when you know, when we tell our listeners that this is the um, it, it only gets worse from here. <laughs> We mean that. Um, but yeah, I was shocked that they just freaking kill him. Um, and then what comes tumbling out of the church but the pine cone? Because so, why not? <laughs> yeah, because I was like, the boy gets eviscerated, but the pine cone, that's still here. Um, and Geppetto, he, he goes back and he buries Carlo and he buries the pine cone on, uh, on the other side of Carlo's grave. Uh, and Basically, Sebastian's like, oh, yeah. And then Geppetto worked, didn't work very much. He ate less. Uh, and you see a montage of the pine tree growing as Geppetto's just finding solace at the bottom of a bottle. And <laughs> it's kind of like he's dying and then that tree's growing. It's like this weird duality of like life and like death at the same, like almost like they're like total yin yang intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it was at this moment I was like, this is not our everyday Pinocchio. And I'm expecting, I was expecting for Geppetto to just like lay down right there. Um, and for, for Pinocchio to be born some other way. But, uh, uh, Sebastian J. Cricket goes into the, the big uh, pine tree that's grown. He's like, oh, yes, this is where I write my memoirs. But Geppetto, on a, what, rainy, drunken night, gets pissed off. He's like, no, I'll... I, f-, he's basically like, fuck you, tree. I'm going to make myself a new Carlo. Uh, and he cuts down the tree, and he carves it up. And we also like, see... like, a son out of revenge. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As he's yelling... <laughs> Like, screw this. Um, but we also see, like, these these woodland sp- spirits that look like floating eyeballs. Um, and this is this is when I was like, of course, Guillermo del Toro has to do some freaky shit with eyeballs, right? Um, and much like, much like Tarantino has a foot fetish, this guy's got an ocular fetish. <laughs> he does. I didn't even, you know, the fact that you wiggle your big toe. You, you're right. <laughs> I'm, now I can't watch that movie. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if you wink at GDT, he's going to be like, "I get it." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "You know what? You're right. You're right." Um, but yeah, uh, Geppetto builds this uh, builds this um, wooden puppet out of revenge, out of being upset. And he's like, "I'll finish you in the morning." And he tries to climb the stairs to go to bed, I guess. But he fucking hits his head on the way down this ladder and is conked out. Um, and then these, the woodland spirits coalesce into what I could only say looks like a biblical version of a seraphim, right? It's this oh, thing. It's this, definitely, it's definitely a biblical angel of some kind. Yeah. It has like what? 16 eyes and its wings and four arms. And I was like, the hell the um, wings have eyes. And that kind of took me back. I was like, Oh yeah, we're definitely in a del Toro film here. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the mouth um, doesn't move. Like it speaks, but like the mouth is completely frozen. It's it, honestly the, the visuals, I mean, to, to jump back real quick to what you were saying about like how smooth the animation was, there are some shots, just some like, you know, framed shots in this, this movie so far that I'm like, wow, like these are extremely ambitious and just wildly like, how did you even go about like animating it from that angle? But when this angel slash, you know, fairy, whatever you want to call it, like pops up, I was like, oh no, yeah, we not just killing a kid. We're also going to get real creepy with the imagery. Oh yeah. And you know, the thing I loved is that I could see the hints of what they had discovered in the stop motion animation of zero from uh, nightmare before Christmas in the way that the, that the angel is translucent and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, I, it, it, it gave me a moment where I was actually super excited to talk to you. Cause I was like, I'm starting to see like the way that the technology stacks on itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the imagery was weird. And I, I, this is when I was like, what really is this movie? But uh, basically the angels like, Hey, I'm going to bring this puppet to life. Sebastian's all like, don't do that. I freaking live in this piece of wood. And the angels like, well, since you're in his heart just fucking stick around and if you teach him how to be a good person i'll grant you a wish i did not see this coming and i was like okay wait a minute i'll hold the fuck up like (laughs) really so so the cricket is basically there because he lives and he's like don't take my home and the 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 angel thing's like yeah you can stay there but be his conscience and live inside of him and i'm like okay wait a minute we have gone off the rails here (laughs) off the rails and jimmy cricket's like Oh, Sebastian. I'm, see, this is going to happen the whole well, episode. J, J stands for Jiminy. I think that they just call him Sebastian so we to kind of distance themselves from the Disney thing. But yeah, his middle initial is J for a reason. J. Yeah, so Mr. Cricket is like, oh, I could be famous? Dope. Uh, I'll do that. Uh, and then, you know, Pinocchio comes to life the next morning. But Pinocchio is terrifying. The, the first time you see Pinocchio, he's terrifying because he doesn't know how to walk. So he's crawling around on his arms and legs like this, like arachnid, terrifying thing. And this was, you know, up until this point, I I am asking myself, what is this movie? What the fuck is happening? What is this movie? But this is when I expected the movie to just go straight, like horror, you know, that you, I was like, is this like that, 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 that horror poos corner sort of thing where they're just like, tricked you it's all terrible well i mean it definitely leans into that i mean i think it was this scene where i was like oh we have reverted back to 80s kids movies like the dark crystal and you know secret and m where anything that happens that's supposedly just a plot device can be terrifying and yeah. when he when he jumps back and falls down the ladder smacking his head then the axe that he had in his hand like almost like cuts his face open i'm like the stakes in this movie have, like are higher than some like full on action flicks I've seen. Yeah, and it doesn't help that at this point in time, Pinocchio is actually just an asshole. He's this little. Imagine if if you got to warp to terrible twos and they could talk to you and be strong enough to pick up heavy things. Um, I was like this whole scene. I was actually afraid for Geppetto because. Pinocchio's running around with hammers and axes and just smashing things. Um, and I got stressed out. And it's all to the tune of this like super happy, childlike song. Um, the dissonance and juxtaposition in the scene I thought was actually really cool. But like you said, 
the stakes are way too high for this kind of movie. Throughout the whole movie. I mean, it's, it's, you know, like every time I'm like, well, wow, that's pretty dark. I don't see how we can never mind. Here we go. We've got Mussolini. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, it does not back down until like the very end scene. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, brings us to our next point where Geppetto is basically like, stay here. I'm going to church. I'm going to pray you away, you demon. Um and uh, Pinocchio's like, I'm going to follow you to church. As he's going through town, you start to see that uh, that Mussolini and the fascists have taken over this Italian town. And Pinocchio just walks into the church like, oh, okay, everything's great. Um, but everyone starts calling him a demon. And this is when we meet uh, uh, Podestra, uh, who is like the, I guess, the the fascist mayor of the town. <laughs> Um, I kind of took him as like just like an influential character, but it seems like he's the one in town that's really embraced the like, hey, get on the trolley. It's time to be fascist. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to I'm here to make sure that you're all giving your Nazi salute. Um, And uh, we meet Candlewick, his son. And uh, the the priest in this moment is like, oh, you're up here. You won't finish this this uh, crucifix of Jesus, but you're up here making puppets that come to life. Like, get the fuck out of my church. I know. A guilt trip at church. I was like, bro, you all might be missing the point here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's a Catholic church. And what I hear is that they're really good at the guilt thing. Um, but yeah, that night, Geppetto's like, Pinocchio, you need to calm the fuck down. Uh, and uh, Pedestra and the and Candlewick and the priest show up and they say, "Hey, uh, we don't know what the fuck this is, but you need to keep this under control." And Pedestra's like, "Hey, send send Pinocchio to school." And Pinocchio's like, "Yeah, I'll go to school." Um, Candlewick is a little dick to him, but that's just like to to get the fact that Candlewick's a snot. Um, well, like it's kind of you're supposed to get that like like father like son kind of you know vibe mm-hmm. from both of them, which is going to pay off a little bit later. But yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, the next day, uh, Geppetto still like this. This was the part where I felt like uh, the this movie's already an hour and seventeen minutes. It's already almost two hours long. Um, but this was the moment where I wanted just like a touch more time because. Uh, Geppetto starts to accept Pinocchio as his son in some fashion in this scene, right? And it felt a little, I felt like the town, I was like, these people are accepting the fact that there's a puppet alive way too easily when earlier that day they were calling it a demon, you know? Um, his his switch into accepting the boy, I think it, it kind of came from a like, well, if I don't take care of him, you know, look what I've done. If I don't take care of them, I guess who will, you know, kind of thing. But there's nothing earned to get to that point. No, there's not. There's not. Um, and, you know, part of me was like, oh, you know, they have to get to. They, I was like, there must be something else they're trying to get to. And we're so close to that. Um, <laughs> the next morning, uh, Count uh, Volpe and his monkey. uh uh, by, by Kate Blanchett. I'm, I'm going to mention that the monkey who has no human lines and just makes monkey noises is paid, played by Kate Blanchett because she wanted to work with Del Toro again so bad. And on this movie, he was like, oh, we've already cast all the roles except for this monkey. And she's like, I'll take it. Are you serious? Like, that's some of the trivia on this movie. Yeah, yeah. She wanted to work with them so bad. She's like, fine, I'll play the monkey with no lines. Oh gosh! Well, she got a little bit. She got to speak a little bit when she was playing the puppets. But you know, true, true. 
but very little. But basically, this monkey is hanging these um, these banners for a carnival that's come to town, uh, and Pinocchio is all like, "Oh, the, uh, I could I could do that." But the monkey sees Pinocchio walking through town, goes back to the count, and tells him there is a, a live puppet, and the count has this song about basically we used to be on top and now we can get there again. I want to say that the the first song of the of the movie I thought was great. The second song with Pinocchio singing and stuff like that, I was like, okay, this is cute. This song right here, the count song, I thought was unnecessary. Um and it made a me wonder a lot of the like, songs yeah, a lot of the songs didn't feel like extremely necessary to me in this. Um and Count Volpe who's played by Christoph Waltz, um yeah, again, like a, a great I, I love the way this character was portrayed, but when he started singing, I was like, wow, this feels very out of character. Very out of character, right? Um, and so it made me wonder, I was like, did you have to make this a musical for the five songs that you have? We didn't need them. Um, especially because everything else is so creepy and I kind of want to just keep living in that vibe. Uh, but uh, Spazzatura uh, leads the count to Pinocchio, who's supposed to be going to school and, you know, Pinocchio does the whole thing like, oh, I can be famous. Then let me go over here. I'll go to school later. Uh, you know, he gets tricked with hot chocolate. Um, there's a lot of physical comedy with Jiminy Cricket getting smashed. That's how Death Row hit. Records got started also, tricked by hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> VH1 inside the music. He's just like, it was hot chocolate, man. You know? Snoop showed up and said, you got marshmallows? We said, yeah, we didn't really have marshmallows, but he signed. Done. Yeah. (laughs) Now look at us. Um, But yeah, uh, Pinocchio goes uh, to the circus and sure enough, he performs, right? Uh, And Pinocchio the whole time, he's like, I got to go to school. I got to make my father proud. And the count's all like, you know, you know, you know what's really going to make your father proud? You being a star and you being in the show. And Pinocchio's like, yeah, you're right, because my dad's shallow. Um, but, uh, that night, um, Geppetto gets, uh, he's still in the church and he gets, uh, confronted by the, uh, Podestra and he's like, your, your son didn't go to school. He's like, no, he did. Cause I told him to go. He's like, well, he wasn't there. He needs to be there tomorrow. So Geppetto goes to look for him and goes he goes full out, dad mode, full dad mode, right? Figures out that he's at this carnival sees uh Pinocchio dancing around and stuff like that and basically pulls him out by his arm and is like, what the hell are you doing? You're supposed to go to school. Don't do this shit to me. Um and the count comes out, he's like, no, he's mine. He signed a contract. Look what you, you know, he he belongs to me. All the while this truck is coming down the road. They accidentally let go of Pinocchio and he gets hit and killed by a truck. Yeah, and, and when you say killed by a truck, like, let's be honest, when they're like, oh, no, he's dead. I was like, well, he's a wooden puppet. He doesn't die. It's a kid's movie. No, no, no. This motherfucker is dead. He is DOA. Like, you could check for a non-pulse, and he's gone. Because, you know, how do we know this? Because we immediately next scene cut to the underworld. <laughs> and and the underworld scene, and also, like, where, uh, uh, where Volpe is, like, you know... Um, uh, uh, carnival is i want to point out real quick some of the best matte painting work i have seen in oh, a movie yeah. and forever. like honestly i i paused it and i was like is that cg and i was like oh my god no that's actually a matte painting like 
beautiful. If you, if you ever watch this, definitely take a few moments when you go to the uh, where the carnival is and just look at the backgrounds. Gorgeous. But uh, that aside, gorgeous aside, let's get back to the dead puppet in limbo. <laughs> <laughs> An actual limbo. Uh, and, and there's and there he's being carried by these like bunny pallbearers, right? These black bunny pallbearers. And they're like, is he really dead? They're like, yeah, no, I checked the paperwork. <laughs> and they just toss him among all these other coffins. Um, and then they sit down to play poker. Um, and Pinocchio comes stumbling out and they're like, Oh no, you're supposed to be dead. Oh, death wants to see you. And there's this, this was actually my favorite part is when he opens these massive wooden doors. Right. And this light comes through and you see this like Sphinx X, um, sort of death. Like a chimera. Yeah. 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 Also played by Tilda Swinton. Uh, who's basically like, you know what? You ain't supposed to be alive. My sister, the wood spirit, she shouldn't have done that shit. Uh, and, but you're dead. Don't worry. You're going to come back to life because you're immortal. But every time you come back, it's going to take longer for you to go back. Um, and uh, there's these hourglasses and you have to wait for them to go down. And then you'll be able to go back. And the first time, Pinocchio's like, well, explain something to me. He goes back alive. There's a pretty funny scene where they're all at the at the at the morgue uh and uh saying like oh yeah there's no heartbeat and they're like of course there's no heartbeat he's wood. oh yeah the corner you want to he's, he's like well he's he's stiff and wooden and they're like yeah he's made out of wood and he's like oh yeah, yeah okay <laughs> yeah and then pinocchio shoots up and you know the pedestrian's there and he's like oh this he can't fucking die and this is when i was like i i got a little bit ahead of the movie and hoping it didn't go here but it absolutely goes here um but Pedestra's like, he should be a soldier because he can't die. And Geppetto's like, no, he should not be a soldier. But Pinocchio's all like, oh, no, yeah, war? All about it. Let me let me go fight. <laughs> yeah, and then also, and then Volpe's there, and he's like, no, 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 no. I've got him under contract. This guy's going to make me a millionaire because he'll never die. I can, I can put on like a million shows. And so like you, you start to see every character's machinations and their true intentions of what they want out of Pinocchio. And this was one of the first moments. I mean, I've actually, I, I related to Geppetto earlier in the movie just based off how he was in the town, but this is the first time you actually see Geppetto kind of take a, a very protective role yeah, over Pinocchio, and which again is just kind of counteracted just out of the next scene where he basically says you're a burden, and I'm like, yeah. whoa, real mixed messages here, my dude. <laughs> yeah, the, the that whole scene because earlier, uh, uh, Sebastian had explained what a burden is to Pinocchio. He's like, it's something you carry, even though it hurts you. Uh, but you know, you don't want to, but it's something that you carry. And then Geppetto's like, you're a burden, and then. Pinocchio's like, I don't want to be a burden. And Sebastian's trying to do a really good job of being like, sometimes uh, parents don't mean what they say when they say the things. Uh, so don't take it too hard, kid. And <laughs> I, I like you. I like you. You kind of went into Bill Cosby mode there. That was great. <laughs> don't now do the <laughs> yeah, that's, but that's what it felt like. It felt like yeah, Sebastian it, being it, like, let no, me no. cover the multitude of sins. When you started saying it that way, I was like, oh, no, that's exactly what it felt like. Like late 80s Bill Cosby. I was like, holy crap. 
He's like, sometimes fathers say, you know, the thing that they don't mean. So don't take it seriously. Um, but, you know, uh, he's like, I just want him to be proud of me. I know it will make him proud if I go and I work for the fucking count. If I work for Count Volpe and uh, he sends half the money back. So he goes to Count Volpe and he's like, bruh, you can absolutely send half the money back. Like, I'll work for you as long as you send half the money back. Keep in mind, we also walk in on... Um, oh, wait, no. This is this is later. Uh, I'm Volpe beating the monkey, which I was... Oh, yeah, that's hell. a little bit later. I was just like... <laughs> again, yeah, in case you didn't know that this movie was also going to give you, like, uh, animal cruelty. No, no, we got that box checked as well. Box checked, right? Um, and so... Uh, basically, Japan, uh, uh, Pinocchio runs away with Volpe, and we get this montage of Pinocchio performing for different crowds, and we get and Geppetto's finally like, "Oh shit, I said the thing that that chased him away." Because Sebastian's all like, "Look what the fuck you did, bruh. Go get your." Son. I actually, I really love that scene where Sebastian starts calling out Geppetto, and he's like, "Dude, you wanted a child, you wanted happiness, and it's right in front of you, and you're being too blind to even accept it." and it's it's they kind of both come to the same realization at the same time, but man, that was that actually kind of got me. That's this is the first time in the movie I actually kind of like teared up a little bit because I was like, "Damn, dude! Like, get your shit together, Geppetto." You know, it honestly felt like that thing, like uh, that sassy uncle or aunt. Whenever you get yelled at by your parents, they be like, "They didn't ask to be here. They didn't lay down to make a baby. You did. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take care of this." Um. But yeah, so Geppetto, he's like going all over the place and he's trying to, he's he's like one step behind them, right? He's seeing posters that, uh, like you see a montage of them laying a poster. And then when Geppetto shows up into the town where they just were, there's a, there's a Mussolini poster over it. And here's the thing, the whole time I was like, okay, this feels... I was like, maybe they're they're working in a world that is, you know, Mussolini adjacent. But when they just started saying Mussolini, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is legit, just just Mussolini. Okay, I cool. thought the same thing because I was like, I was like, oh wow, we're like leaning into like the the Italian fascist thing. That's cool. And then it's all like El Duce Mussolini. I was like, oh, just straight up, we're gonna name him. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, that comes to a point where Volpe, they're on a ship. And they're headed to go perform for Mussolini. Uh, and this is actually a really funny moment where Geppetto convinces someone to get on the ship too and kind of follow them. And he's this he's this dude with uh, a hook hand and a and a and a peg leg. Um, and he he like gives him all the money he has and convinces him to to, to go with him. But um, uh, this is the part where Pinocchio's like, "Hey, Volpe." I'll keep performing, but don't forget to send some money to Geppetto, like you said you would. And and Sprezzatura uh, figures out that Volpe's been lying to uh, to Pinocchio, not giving him his half. And Sprezzatura tells Pinocchio basically through the puppets, like, "Hey, you should probably go home. Like, you shouldn't perform here because he's not he's not splitting the money halfway. He's not doing right by you." And Pinocchio refuses to believe him. But Which Volpe, was weird, though, because yeah. like, because like out of nowhere, like like, well, this this monkey is on Volpe's side the whole time, and it isn't until he actually sees Pinocchio getting fucked over. But I was like, you have no reason. Like Volpe's your meal ticket, bro. Like, why would you out of nowhere start fucking with that? Because he has no real connection other than the fact, the fact that he just sees him being overworked by yeah. Volpe. 
Maybe it's a whole take on unions. I don't know. But, but um, yeah, <laughs> but Sprezzatura is like mad most of the movie because Pinocchio's getting all this like fame when it seems like he's like, I used to put in the work. I did the work and no one's paying attention to me anymore. So I was also confused as to, I was thinking maybe he's using this as a way to get Pinocchio out of the picture. So he's. Oh, okay. Good point. I didn't think of it that way. That's the only, that's the only thing I could, I could think of. Um, but, uh, but Volpe sees Sprezzatura talking to Pinocchio and then takes him up top and beats the shit out of him. Uh, and Pinocchio sees this and he's basically like, you know what? Let's screw over Volpe. Um, all the while, uh, you know, they, they dock and Mussolini's there. Uh, yeah, yeah. during that scene, they actually, he's like, he's like, okay, you guys, it's like, you're like, oh, I'm sorry for beating you monkey. Um, but we got a really important show. Mussolini himself is going to come to a puppet show. And I was like, I, I'm not going to buy this, but okay, cool. Let's do it. And then, um, so basically, yeah, he has a show where El Duce himself is going to show up. Yeah. And, and Geppetto's like rushing to the show, but, uh, I guess their version of Monstro kind of swallow which is this is the 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 scariest creepiest whale thing i i've ever seen in an animated movie it has like a whale slug it's like a whale slug shark thing right yes um oh uh it says it's a giant dogfish that makes sense well there we go we were both way the fuck up (laughs) yeah well dogfishes are ugly as hell shit um and so, yeah, a giant dogfish is going to swallow Geppetto, and Geppetto's, you know, turning to the sailor, like, get us out of here. And I thought that this was the funniest part where the sailor just is like, Arrivederci, and jumps off the ship. Yep. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, but Geppetto gets eaten with Sebastian, and they're basically like, oh, uh, he, he'll find us, because surely this puppet who I have, you know, called a burden will just figure out that i'm inside of a giant dogfish um and they're just like yeah this is how it's going to be flash back over to mussolini showing up to this puppet show and uh pinocchio basically sings a song about how mussolini farts and poops Yes, and this is very Spike Jones level, like Defuhrer's face, like old Warner Brothers propaganda cartoons. Like when yeah. Mussolini shows up as a very blatant caricature, like short and stubby and talking kind of dumb, I was like, oh, wow, we are leaning straight into this old <laughs> Warner Brothers style. And then the show happens. And as you said, it is a full song and dance about how fascism is bad. These fascists wear diapers, they shit on themselves, they're terrible. And and it's just going on and on and on. And I'm like, oh, we might. I was like, maybe we'll get a clip of this. Like, no, the whole song plays out. And I, I this is the part of the movie where I literally paused it and had to sit for a moment and go like, okay, I do not know what could happen worse than what's about to happen, what just happened here. But I have to find out because of morbid curiosity. Because after they do the song and dance, Volpe's freaking out. Like, how could you guys do this? And Mussolini is just like, Hey, you know what? I don't like these puppets. Go ahead and kill that one. And you know what? There's no hesitation. His henchman pulls out a gun, pow, kills the puppet. Yeah. Pinocchio he's like, gets shot. 
He's like, he's like, kill the puppet and burn it all down. And I was like, holy shit. And And that's not just words. That plays out. It does. And here's the thing. There are children in this tent with Mussolini, right? There's like, he's just like, (laughs) murder the puppet in front of Mussolini. Don't give a fuck. Obviously. And then, you know, Pinocchio's dead, and he, he he's just, like, so happy to be dead. He's like, I'm back, y'all. I'm back in the underworld. Could uh, you imagine if Fraggle Rock or Sesame Street had an episode <laughs> where basically Mr. Hooper was all like, I take that personally, uh, you know, uh, Oscar. Pow. Just shoots him dead in the trash can. I mean, <laughs> that's the level we're talking about here with this movie. There's no subtlety. They just kill puppets murder puppets and then my and then my favorite part is that you know after this pinocchio's like death i'm back and she's like you need to calm down because she's like he's like oh don't worry i'm gonna go back home to my father she's like one day you gonna die and he ain't gonna be there because like it takes you longer to get back and he's like that's not today though (laughs) i i love the child like uh, mentality of not understanding what death and mortality was because at the end of this movie we actually get a a scene and a a moment that really kind of does um you know show that uh, the child starts to understand what life and death is but at this point oh my god it was so flippant the way he was acting and it, like you have to stop and remind yourself because I don't have kids but I know people who do and just knowing that you there's that moment where you have to explain to a kid what mortality is and Without that discussion, man, kids just don't know. Yeah, you know, honestly, this was this was, and we'll obviously talk about it in our rating. But this was the moment where I was like, "This movie is only rated PG," and I was like, "Who? What? Who? What parent?" And it's it's really interesting because I have um, the person I share my office with at work. She has a, she has a little daughter who draws you know she draws kittens with like blood coming out of their eyes like she's in that phase of life you know what i mean but she said that she said we sat down we watched 15 minutes of this movie and i turned it off you know she's like what is like my daughter who is playing with the with life and death like in the way that you know nine-year-olds do like she's not ready for this like who is this for you know um but yeah, and so he goes back, and and either way, Pinocchio eventually, uh, Pinocchio's like, "What do you mean, Geppetto won't be there?" But he doesn't have time to actually ask the question before he's sucked back. And when he wakes up, he's in the back of a truck, being taken to a youth training camp with Pedestra and his son Candlewick. And we're not talking <laughs> like Boy Scouts of America. We're talking a fascist youth training camp <laughs> which I, he's like see i told you he can't die he's like you will be the perfect soldier uh, i was and, like what the fuck man like he wakes yeah. up to like you'll be perfect you can't be killed and i was like this movie is bananas and yeah and as they pull into the um the training camp this isn't like it's open air it's an open air like in a castle with like tr- teaching kids how to do trench warfare, teaching them how to like defuse bombs. Like I was like, this is fucked. Um, no, that was one of my, one of my notes says, Oh good. I was hoping we'd get kids in warfare trenches because <laughs> I'm watching this and they're do- and it's like set to this kind of like fun, happy, like training music. And it's like really like training them for war. And if you think about like World War One and World War II, like warfare, it was fucking brutal. And these kids are just like having fun and playing at it. And 
the juxtaposition between the two things, it was like, wow, this is intense. But yeah, I did not expect to see kids in warfare trenches. <laughs> no, neither did I. You know, and uh, there comes a point where Candlewick and uh, that night, Candlewick and uh, Pinocchio are in bed, like in, in their bunks next to each other. And before they go to bed, Pedestra basically says like, um, oh, y'all, we're going to be training tomorrow. But um, and they say that there's enemy planes nearby, but that's fine. Are we afraid? uh, Is anyone here afraid of the enemy? And Pinocchio raises his hand and says, I am. And all the other kids say, no, sir. He's like, oh, I guess not. (laughs) Uh, But then Candlewick is basically that night. He's basically confessing to Pinocchio that his father puts a lot of pressure on him. He's afraid to die. He asked Pinocchio, are you afraid to die? But Pinocchio's already died twice and come back. He's like, death? Psh, no. <laughs> death is this fine. broke my heart when I watched this scene because um, Candlewick, who's being the good little soldier's son throughout this whole movie and, and emulating his father, who's basically full-on embracing fascism, is at this camp. And, um, you know, even when he gets sent off to it, he salutes his dad, like, I'm going to do you proud. And Mm -hmm. this moment of, he just quietly breaks character and is just like, Hey, are you afraid to die? And he's not asking like, Hey, what's up with you? He's like asking because he's too afraid to say it himself. And I, I don't know what happened when I was watching this, but man, I like in my stomach, it sank. I was like, my God, these kids are like being asked to die for something. They don't even don't really even have know. any stake in. Yeah. It, oh, man. Gut-wrenching. Absolutely gut-wrenching. And then the next day, we cut to war games. Yeah. They're literally like, let's play capture the flag. And, you know, Pinocchio and Candlewick are on opposite teams. And Pinocchio, being a goddamn puppet, of course, is like kicking ass. And uh, <laughs> Candlewick is also winning. But they get to the top, and they, they have the choice to shoot each other, shoot one another, and then take the, the other flag. But they have a moment where they're like, this is a game, right? We can both win. And so they take each other's flags, they laugh about it, and they go back to Pedestro and they're like, hey, look, we both won. We did it. And Pedestro's like, oh, that's cute. You think you both won? Hands a gun to Candlewick and says, shoot the puppet right now. And then this moment, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, this movie had conditioned me to expect the worst because Candlewick is then like, I can't shoot Pinocchio. We had a breakthrough. Like we can both work together and be like, you know, happy and productive. And I don't understand why I have to kill someone that I don't want to kill. And, and then he looks at Pinocchio and then he has this moment where he goes, no, dad, I've always done what you've asked. I've always been like, you know, the good soldier, but this is something I can't do. And I can't live with that. And I thought when he said that, I was like, if this fucking kid shoots himself in the head and kills himself in front of Pinocchio and his dad, I'm turning this shit off. Like I could not. <laughs> yeah. but, but to be fair, that assumption was not off the table in this movie. It wasn't. I mean, it only gets worse from here. Right. Um, because basically pedestrians are like, Oh, you, you basically is like, listen here, you little bastard. He throws them both in a trench right in the middle of this camp and he's like give me my gun son i'm gonna show you how it's done and he says to pinocchio like you've learned a lot of lessons here you're gonna learn the final one and that's how to die and he points the gun at pinocchio's head but uh candlewick shoots his father in the face with uh, a paint gun i should i should make that very clear with a paint (laughs) gun 
because uh, I was also like, is he going to kill his dad? Um, don't worry, we have a brutal death coming up here pretty soon. Um, <laughs> um, you say coming soon like we haven't had them peppered throughout this entire hour and a half so I'm far sorry. in the movie. The next death is the one where I actually I paused and I was like, I need to go sit, stand up and walk around a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, basically he's like, no, dad, I'm not going to do it. And then what do you hear? You hear uh, the sirens of the planes coming to drop bombs on this boy's training camp. Full on Uh, air raid. Full on air raid. And people are starting to panic. Pinocchio's trying to get out. Uh, uh, I think the boys start to head out where Pedestra doesn't get out. The bomb drops, destroys the facility. There's no way every single last one of those boys got out. There's just physically no no way. Straight up kids got killed here. Kids got killed here, right? Candlewick gets out, and I think like one or two other boys you see get out. But you see Pinocchio go flying across the fucking ground. He goes skidding to a stop. uh, And we see this burnt hat, right, next to him. Picks it up. Who is it? It's Count Volpe, who's like, oh, you shitty little puppet. Like, you made me lose everything. And now I'm going to kill you. And so he ties Pinocchio to a cross. (laughs) <laughs> he ties Pinocchio to a cross. No, no, no. Listeners, in case, um, you know, TJ didn't make that clear, they tie our main character to a crucifix <laughs> while a monkey stands next to him with a lit torch. Take and it away, the, TJ. And then, they, and then the crucifix is in the middle of a pyre that they then set on fire. I was like, are they Joan of Arking? Pinocchio right now? Yup. And then the monkey's like, maybe we shouldn't do this. And attacks Volpe, tries to free Pinocchio. Pinocchio falls down. He gets out. But then uh, (laughs) the monkey and Volpe start to have this fight that pushes them off the edge of the cliff. And this is the moment where I actually had to stop for a moment. Because (laughs) Volpe... Hits a rock so hard, and the camera just keeps following the monkey into the water. But I was like, holy, what? This man just got dashed against the rocks, and we're just supposed to go past this? You know when you wipe something off the table so it's no longer near you? That's what the (laughs) rock did to both me out of this movie. It was like, and gone. It it was the sound that hit it with it. I was just like, this is... It was too much. It was that this this was when I was like, I, I found my line and I and I, I paused it and I was like, How much longer do I have in this? Twenty that's so, minutes? That's so funny because when that happened, I was like, Yeah, okay, that tracks. Like I was numb <laughs> at this point of characters just violently dying in a Pinocchio film. Yeah. I, I, I was just like, it was the it was the crunch. It was the the audio design. Who designed the audio? I like where's your name? Because you deserve all the awards because this hurt my heart. <laughs> Who's this Foley artist? Quick. Yeah, because that hurt. It hurt me. Um but yeah, and then Pinocchio, he gets in the water, he's still tied to the cross, basically. Um he saves the monkey and they're swimming around, and what do they do? They get swallowed by the giant, you know. Uh, dogfish where they find uh geppetto and sebastian um they have this like great reunion and they're like well how the fuck are we going to get out 
they find this like hole that look it's like a mix between a blowhole and a nasty ass nostril. Um, they have Pinocchio lie to build a branch to the other side and insert random antics to try to make this feel like a kid's film because it hasn't for the past hour. Um, and they get out, but as they get out, go ahead. Which is really interesting because like, you know, the, the one we know from Disney is they build a fire. It makes monstros sneeze them out and you're like, okay. And this it's, uh, what's interesting about this movie for all of its fantasy, a lot of the the things that play out are based in like very realistic ways that you would use your tools to your advantage or, you know, your surroundings uh, properly. And when I saw this, I was like, Oh, I really like this take on like how yeah. they're going to get out of Monstro. Making them sneeze like that. Yeah. The, 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 I will say this was the only time that the gross, any gross factor. I was like this, these little pustules in this nostril are gross. I need to see all that. Well, the the stomach acids inside Monstro were like they're bubbling, and you can like see like that weird like if you've ever seen like really like stagnant, gross water, you've got those like, yeah. little circles where it looks like nothing's growing in the middle, but around it is like this just very discolored like who knows you know <laughs> cholera, jaundice, whatever horrible thing you can think <laughs> of, and um like but yeah no inside this this fish I was like wow this is a horrific place to be which is so funny because um Geppetto and um Sebastian Cricket are just kind of like eh this is where we live it's what it is home is yeah. where the heart is and you're like all right dudes you do you yeah, like, he might find us he might not it's fine we're gonna keep fishing they're eating the fish. I'm like, no, you're gross. Um, but yeah, they get out, and then as soon as they get out, you know, uh, the giant dogfish is trying to swallow them again because, of course, why not? Um, but Pinocchio falls onto a mine, like a floating mine, and uh, the dogfish swallows that. And in trying to allow for Sebastian, Geppetto, and uh, Sprezzatura to get away, he, uh, the dogfish swallows the mine. Pinocchio gets swallowed with it, and he detonates the mine and blows the fucking dogfish up, right? Uh, and this, <laughs> this glory oh, and of like viscera and chunks. I was about to say, let's not just say this is a cartoon explosion. This is chunk o fish flying all over the screen. <laughs> Remember, remember when they blew up that whale on the beach in Miami way back yeah. in the day, and like the the pieces like fell on cars and crushed it, and people were covered in guts and stuff. It's like that. Yeah, I was like, oh, holy shit! But then, like Pinocchio, of course, because he was inside, he was on a mine when it exploded. He starts, he dies again. Um, he realizes that Geppetto is drowning, right? Uh, and he's all like, Hey, I have to go back death. I have to go back. And death's like, I already told you, you can't go back yet. You have to wait more. And he's like, I have to go back now or else Geppetto's going to die. And death is basically like, you could break the rules and like break this hourglass, but you'll become mortal and you will die in helping Geppetto. Uh, and Pinocchio's like, I don't care. He breaks the glass. Uh, all the other hourglasses break. Uh, he goes back, he saved Geppetto from drowning, uh, but in the process, he dies, right? Um, and Geppetto finds him on the beach, and he's like, wake up, Pinocchio, wake up. The, sea, the, the wood spirit, so far from home, shows up and is like, oh, Geppetto, I'm sorry. This, this was not what I intended. 
and he's like, oh, she's like, I, I intended to give you joy. And the line that I remember, he's like, you did. You gave me such terrible, terrible joy. <laughs> it's like awesome. he's, it's like, it's, it's, it's so interesting. And honestly, I only think this could be achieved in a Del Toro film in a way because he, the way this line is delivered and the way that the, uh, the stop motion uh, puppet is, is reacting, it is like anger, happiness, resentment, frustration, and like pleading, like vulnerability pleading, like all in a single line. It was, it was fucking rough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's crazy because this whole entire film, I was like, this is insane. And it almost like things almost got so bombastic in the middle of this film that I forgot about the relationship between Geppetto and Pinocchio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was in this moment I was like, oh yeah, this is what this movie's actually about. Um, and then S- Sebastian basically makes his wish to the woods uh, uh, sprite to say, I want you to bring Pinocchio back, uh, revive Pinocchio. And sure enough, she revives Pinocchio, but in the same way that Pinocchio was, and Pinocchio becomes immortal again, which, you know, I have feelings about. Uh, she could have done some some better work here <laughs> but um maybe they that's return- the extent of her power maybe she can just like make things like i can only give life but only immortal life yeah yeah because i was like you could because this is where the real sadness of the film came in for me because they return home you know uh geppetto is basically like hey i've asked you to be carlo this whole time don't be carlo be yourself just like be yourself and learn and grow and just be a good boy and just be with me and they Thank live you yeah, cue Sebastian's now um, voiceover to let us know this. And and please go ahead because, yes, as if we're not going to get out of this movie with a little more like, here, let me stab you in the heart a little bit. Oh, God. Yeah, and so Sebastian's like, oh, yeah, so they return home and they lived a happy life and all of us lived together. Uh, and, and then uh, Geppetto grew old, Pinocchio did not, and then one day Geppetto left us. And then one day... Pinocchio found my body on a windowsill, cold and unmoving. I was like, excuse me, what? Going to kill He's the like, cricket? Bug, bug upside down, legs up. I was like, wow, y'all just leaned into that one, didn't you? <laughs> and he's like, but he put me in a matchbox and kept me in his heart. So I was like, he's st- <laughs> to hell. Um, and then it cuts to a scene of him walking to bear, to walking to the gravesite of Carlo and Geppetto underneath this giant pine tree and Sprezzatura has a cane now. And, and, you know, he's like, Oh yeah. And Pinocchio, he, he lived for years and years and years. And then like Sprezzatura goes away and a gravestone for Sprezzatura shows up (laughs) and he's like, and he outlived everybody that he loved. And then he just like left and he might've died. I like to think he did. But I don't know when, uh, and but and but maybe that's the secret of life is dying. Basically. Enjoy enjoy the time you have because you know it could be fleeting, it could be long. You never know. Just you know, keep the cycle running, and it's like okay, <laughs> yeah. And then you find out that that Sebastian is actually telling the story to the rabbits in in the in limbo, right? Uh, and then that's the movie. And I uh, 
full disclosure, again, this is childhood TJ's coming back in waves. I finished this movie at one o'clock in the morning. And um, for me as a person, after about 11.30, 11.45, especially if I've had a beer or two, emotions are a thing that are dominating. And I was just, I was like, I need to go to, I need to go to bed. I need to not. But then I laid in bed for like a good 15, 20 minutes having an existential crisis about mortality, which I'm not, this, this could be exactly what the movie wanted to do. Oh, I have no doubt. I mean, again, this is like, if you, I mean, even like, look at the, like the bare bones del Toro flicks, you know, like Pacific Rim. Okay, that's giant monsters. No, no, there's a whole life and death meaning there. There's also a like, what does it mean to like be like responsible for your planet and Earth? I mean, the dude's incapable of not basically being like, hey, you know, emotions, you've got those. Watch. (laughs) Just (laughs) pulling them out like strings on a puppet. I mean, the man just manipulates us. And I kind of love the fact that he's able to do that with almost every project he does. I mean, hell, even Spy Kids. Like that he like, you know, basically, I know it's Rodriguez, but like, you know, he even talked about how he loves Spy Kids because it even had that kind of messaging in it. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I will say this. Um, if anybody who loves Spy Kids, do not watch the new Spy Kids spinoff movie. Uh, uh, not, not Spy Kids. It's uh, the Shark Boy and Lava Girl, We Can Be Heroes. That movie is fucking atrocious. Um, <laughs> probably this one of the P- top ten worst things I've ever seen. This PSA brought to you by grown men watching kids shit. Yeah, hey, hey, we tell you, don't watch this shit. Um, but yeah, so I'm interested, like, where does, you know, as a, as a Pinocchio fan, <laughs> where does this land in the gambit of Pinocchio films for you? Well, after watching this, I can say I'm no longer a Pinocchio fan. Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, um, this was... I, you know the I I you know I don't know if you guys if you if you are a listener of the uh, the Grave Talk podcast or you just know me in general you should um, be a I'm listener a huge, of the Grave Talk po- podcast yeah exactly um, I'm a huge comic fan I've been reading comics my whole life and you know um, you know when the whole renaissance of you know modern comic book movies kind of started coming out there was a lot of debate over oh they changed this or oh they adjusted this from the original storyline. I I love that. I love when things ha- you know take something and kind of make it their own unique uh, take on a thing. Um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And with this, I knew when I first saw the trailer, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be much more in line with like the older, you know, kind of like story, the the kind of darker, you know, Aesop's fable kind of tale, you know." And I I, I was not expecting this. Like, this was this blew my fucking mind. Um, the more I think about it, the more I, I really, really like this film. And it reminds me, like, it, much like it did with you, like about the mortality, it got me reminiscing on the way that we received, you know, kids' stories back in the, the mid and late 80s and even a little bit in the early 90s. But they did not pull punches, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I don't know if that was because parents weren't paying attention or what. But I mean, you know, like, we had some pretty rough stories back then. And this one, I I would be hesitant to even call this a kids' film. I would just call that, it a film. Well, that's that's where my that's where I this is where I have my rub. Right, is as I was watching this, I was like, I don't know what, especially with a PG rating, 
I don't know in my circle of people with kids and stuff like that who I would show this to. You know what I mean? It's it's difficult for me to identify. I mean, my, my oldest niece. Well, my oldest niece. My oldest nieces have kids of their own, but like I have a niece who's thirteen, right? And I'm still not sure if I'm ready to discuss the depths of fascism in Italy during World War II and like the the concepts of life and death with a 13 year old on this level. I, I I can see what you're saying. I think this movie is actually, you know, wow, I'm trying to define the right words here, but I think that we, as you know, a society in the, in the United States, um, have uh let me get real deep here now i think we've kind of like shied away from like some of those harder topics because again maybe it's because we have to deal with so much more bullshit in life or maybe we just want our kids not to have to deal with the reality that so much of us you know live nowadays with the hardships and stuff you know maybe we we try to shield our our kids from certain things but um you know i think about when i first saw secret and m that fucked me up and but the thing is is i learned very like very honest like you know bad things will happen and you just have to keep moving on Mm-hmm. And that actually helped me quite a bit through a lot of personal things I went through as a child. Um, so I would be hesitant not to say, show this to kids, you know, like maybe not young kids and definitely be there with them because you know, they're not going to pick up on the fascism <laughs> aspect of it. They're going to pick up on like, did he just shoot that puppet? And you're like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people do bad things. And you know, you can, you can definitely put this into context. Um, but I think, I mean, I wouldn't put this all like, like hey, every kid must watch this film, but yeah. I, I think that it is a good reminder that kids, and I think this is something we, we've lost over, I don't want to say we've lost, but I think it's overshadowed by, you know, the standard Disney pap of Star Wars and stuff like that. Um, kids are dealing with these heady concepts. You know, yeah. kids, especially at that time, were having to deal with fascism. You know, their parents were sending them away to youth camps. Um, yeah. You know, like, and sure, you know, times have changed and maybe these aren't as relevant issues now, but... Uh, one could argue that maybe fascism is something we should be teaching our kids about at an early age at this point to avoid Very other true. bullshit. But you know, Very true. it's a, it's a really weird kind of situation, but I'm so glad that we are getting things like this that don't shy away from those just really kind of dark topics that do infiltrate our life. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You have to, I, this is one of those movies that you can't just like turn on and leave little nine-year-old Jimmy to watch by himself. Cause this could easily become Requiem for a dream for, you know, a third grader. Am <laughs> oh I wrong? God. That's the back of the box quote right there from you. <laughs> if this gets a Requ- physical release, I'm lobbying to get your uh, Requiem for a dream for children. <laughs> PJ of, of GMYKS. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I could just see you leaving the room, being like, "They'll watch this for two hours," and coming back, and your child mimicking a Nazi salute. You know what I mean? You walk in, they've got a gun pointed to Raggedy Andy's chest, and you're like, "No, what the fuck's going on?" (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This could absolutely happen, but I think that you know, if I had to have a note for parents before they show this to the kid, just their kids, be prepared to know that you might have to have these conversations, you know, that you might have to sit down and be like, yeah, one day I am going to die and life will go on. Or yeah, there are bad, like this was a real thing that neo-Nazism is on the rise. We should be afraid of fascism. Yeah. Sometimes people exploit children, like all the things. Um, 
but you have to go in. This isn't a movie that you can just watch Paired. passively as, yeah, you can't just watch it passively as an adult with your kid and be like, oh, that was a fun little romp. Um, and I think that kind of fucked up a lot of the, uh, the initial viewing of this film. I think a lot of parents saw, oh, new Pinocchio threw this mother on and then were like, what the holy hell? And turned it off after 15 minutes, as you said, because, I mean, this is... I think about it. Every Pinocchio we've had, even the other ones, like the random indie companies that make their own Pinocchios, some of them lean a little bit darker and some are like the, oh, it's really scary that he's turning into this and that, you know. But uh, none of them dealt with a whole lot of these topics. So no. I think that parents just did not expect to see this from a Pinocchio IP. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. With all that in mind, what would you rate this film? What's your rating scale here? Is it five stars, 10? We do 10. Okay. Oof. Um, I'm going to put it on, I'm going to give it two ratings. I'm going to give okay. it a 7.5 for it as a film as a whole. Okay. Um, you know, because again, you know, and, and when I'm talking like tens, I'm talking like perfect movies. I mean, there's so few of them. So a 7.5 is still a very good rating for me. Um, the animation, actually, no, I'm gonna kick this up to an eight. The animation is it's gorgeous, stunning. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's like, it's the high end, like a studios level stuff. Um, the story is brutal and just very entertaining. Um, I felt it was a little bit long. I think two hours is a bit of an ask for Cut those songs. Um, Cut those songs. Yes. I, I, that was my other, my other critique is I don't think this needed to be a musical. I feel like that might've been a let's lean into the Disney aspect of it. But, um, I, I didn't think the songs hit for me the way that the Disney ones did. So I would say lose the songs, but great film as far as a kid's film. Oh, I got to put this down at a five. Cause again, <laughs> this is not something you throw on to have a good time with your kids. This is something that's I like, sit down. We're going to learn today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yep. I'm I'm right there with you. You know, I'm glad that you split it up like that because I I agree with you on from a strictly film making perspective. The animation is gorgeous. The uh, the voice we didn't even mention the performances are great from the voice actors. Um, the absolutely next level. I mean, I I I didn't know it was Christoph Waltz until um, I went back and looked because I was like. I mean, he does an accent that's great. All the black rabbits are, um, oh, what is that guy's name? Um, hold on just one second. He is from, um, oh, oh, what's that movie? Um, the, 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 oh God, it's the, um, the one with the three guys escape prison. Uh, oh, from, oh, uh, brother. from a oh, brother where I thought yeah, it is Tim Blake uh, Nelson. Yeah, Tim Blake Nelson. He plays all the rabbits and uh, those voice, that voice work was so good. But yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, you're right. We, we did a disservice of not talking about how amazing everyone did with their voice acting in this. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and I, I, the, the mix between the, the stellar animation and the stellar voice acting is what made these sort of brutalistic themes hit harder because I'm not able to laugh at how poorly, you know, Martin Lawrence is delivering. Martin Lawrence is not in this film. He's not a very good voice actor either. Um, but you know, I'm not able to point and laugh at like, oh, this is ridiculous because this person's phoning it in, or like this is ridiculous because the animation isn't that great. Um, because it is so so top notch, you have nothing but to do but to sit in the story, right? Um, so I, I I'm with you on these two ratings. I'm gonna give it, 
I'm going to give it a seven out of 10 from a film perspective only because, and I don't even know if I can blame the film for this because I feel like their marketing department did them dirty. Right. And not preparing me for this film. Oh, Uh, 100%. That's not even up for debate. Like everything I knew about this is like, Oh, a modern retelling of Pinocchio, but it's a little more true to the original story. And I'm like, Oh, that's nice. And then it was like, (laughs) <laughs> it, did, it did not even set the tone you know what it reminded me of do you remember did you see jojo rabbit yes okay it reminded me of jojo rabbit because those trailers made jojo rabbit look like the the taika waititi comedy romp of the summer and then you go and see it and you're like get fucked movie like this is like yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I did not expect to see a mother hanging from a like noose as her child basically kisses her foot and i'm like oh, wow, this is dark comedy. And to be fair, yeah. this Pinocchio is a, in the truest sense of the word, a dark comedy. Yeah, and so, you know, like, fuck the marketing department, fuck Netflix for not telling me the truth of what it was, you know? Um, because I think I just would have entered, I would have entered the experience with a different frame of mind, as opposed to being like, what the fuck, every five minutes. Imagine trying um, to watch it with kids. I mean, it would be like, yeah. you'd be so worried about them the whole time, you wouldn't even be able to focus on the movie, probably. Exactly. The fact that I, you know, I'm a grown ass man and I can sit in my house by myself and pause it and be like, what the fuck? This man just splat against the rocks. But um, yeah, so I'm giving it a seven. But from a kid's perspective, I'm also going to have to give, I'm, I'm going to have to give it like a four just because it, you know, I'm thinking about is, this isn't a movie that you're going to throw on whenever Johnny and Susie have a play date over. This isn't like some, this isn't going to be in constant rotation on your, uh, on your like family, it might be, I don't know your family, it, but you know, um, it doesn't feel like it's going to be in constant rotation, but I think that there is a time and place to watch this movie. And I don't, and since I am not a parent, I can't tell you, I can't identify what that time and place is for you. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't even know if there is a time and place. I think this is one of those things that just happens and you have to just strap in and be like, oh, we're, we're doing this today, I guess. Yeah, it's like the first time that you watch a sex scene with your kid. You're like, oh, are, are they fucking a fish person? You know? <laughs> I knew we were going to bring it back to that because hey. why wouldn't we? Exactly. So, yeah, you, you know, maybe four is a bit too harsh. I think I'm going to sit in that five with you. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that's where I'm landing as well. I do recommend but, people watch it, but definitely, unlike Netflix did for us, set your expectations accordingly please. because, uh, honestly, even maybe don't because I'll be honest, I was on the wildest ride I've had with a movie in a long time, and I watch <laughs> horror movies, and so like I'm sitting there going like, I mean, to be fair, some of the stuff that happens in this movie rivals some of the harshest horror films I've seen. We may not see like the actual blood and guts, but like, oh, man, it's it's rough. It lets you live in the idea of it, which is sometimes worse, you know? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, one great thing is that I know that they are touring the exhibit of the puppets. No. Um, yeah. So I want to say it's at the, there was something at the MoMA. Uh, I know that they had an exhibit up in uh, Maryland. At a school, the uh, so remember that um, whenever uh, God, what's his, what's his, J- Jeffrey Bezos's wife left him and donated like her share of the money to all these places, right? 
Mm. Um, she donated a crap ton of money to Bowie State University in Maryland, um, which is a historically black college and university, to start a stop motion animation studio. Like, uh, so kids can go there and actually learn stop motion animation as part of their major now. That's amazing. Uh, and I know that they took uh, some of those things there. Uh, yeah, the yeah, the Pinocchio was at the MoMA until April 15th. I would not be surprised if this just becomes an, a, a touring thing that goes places because... You know, once they once they have these exhibits, they can just fucking make money off of them and send them all over the place. But on the last episode I was on, I mentioned the the Coraline episode. I mentioned that uh, when I was in San Antonio in my my high school days, they actually brought a couple of the sets, the full sets and puppets of the Nightmare Before Christmas to uh, the McNay, and and seeing those in person was it was mind blowing. So yeah, if it's still at the MoMA and you guys have the opportunity, do not sleep on stop motion animation stuff. If there's ever a Leica studios, like exhibit somewhere near you make the trip. I mean, it is, it's astounding. And real quick as a, uh, I actually recently was hanging out with a, a girl who, who worked on this film, uh, not Ooh. major, not major role, but she did like some of the, uh, the set, you know, work and stuff like that. Some of the, the um, accessories and things in the, in the scenes. And unfortunately I did not get more of the story, out of her before, you know, uh, she moved away, but, um, man, yeah, it just, the, the whole stop motion genre. I, I just, I think when you really allow yourself to, to think of it, not just as a movie, but as an, an art form, as a project, it yeah. just, it opens so much up visually. Yeah. You know, I had to start thinking about it in the same way I, that I think about really quality anime or, or I think about studio Ghibli film, you know, where I was like, Oh, the things that they can do in this specific genre of filmmaking um, are more impressive because of the way that they do it. Um, Which, you know, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this promise right here, right now to you, Garrett. Uh, Jordan and I have been kicking around Kubo for a while and we will not do Kubo without you. I absolutely. That's one of my, the story is not one of my favorites, but man, that film from a technical, I got so much to tell (laughs) y'all. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Garrett, it's been so great having you here, uh, with us, uh, well, with me, Jordan's not here. Jordan missed all the fun. Um, and everyone out there, thank you so much for listening to another episode of grown men watch kitchen. As always, you can hit us up on our social media. You can follow us up on Facebook or Instagram. We don't use Twitter anymore because we never use Twitter. So we just said, like, why are we, we going to do that? Uh, you can leave us uh, a voicemail by hitting leave a message in the show notes. You can send us an email at grownmenwks at gmail.com. Uh, please, we continue to grow because of people like you uh please wherever you listen to podcasts give us a rating five stars great four stars excellent three stars or below we're going to toss you into the ocean and let a giant dogfish eat you and just like let you live there and eat off a fish that's been boiling in stomach acid forever it's totally fine um garrett again thank you so much uh we're going to post links to grave talk podcast in the show notes Please go over and listen to that podcast. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times, Garrett, your voice has gotten me across the state as I drive from place to place. Uh, <laughs> well, so I can't I apologize you. enough for that. So um, no. <laughs> as always, thanks so much for letting me talk about one of my, 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 my major loves in my life of, you know, stop motion animation and just, you know, like people doing 
things in that medium. So thank you all so much for inviting me back. And absolutely, uh, check us out, the Grave Talk podcast, and um, keep listening to Grown Men Watch Kid Shit. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody out there, please take care of uh, take care of yourself and your loved ones. Stay crispy, and we'll we'll catch you next time, Garrett. I have one last question for you. If you could do anything in a carnival, what would it be? If you got abducted to do this thing in the carnival, what would it be? Oh, like any position, role, or any even just act, like ride, ride. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, you know I I. Would love to say I'd do something like quality, but as much as I love to talk, I'd probably be a carnival barker. I'd probably be like, step on up. Come on in here. Yeah, you tough guy. I'm looking at you with a shirt. Come on over here. Swake a swing. Five bucks. Get you a prize. I love that. I love that. I mean, honestly, I would just uh, I, I would just uh, probably sell popcorn or something. I'm not that interested. I'm going to hit you up then because that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, they'd be, I, I'd be working. Grown Men Watch Kid Shit is a Moon Street Media podcast. Intro and outro music was created by MPC. Want to find us online? Check out our social media links in the show notes.